Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. And on this particular passage, we're going to read 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 10. But in order to understand the scripture that we have, a little background may be in order. The prophet Elijah had just had a confrontation with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the grove or the name slipped my mind. Who's the, who's the prophetess? Go on, son. I just told you Sunday school class morning downstairs. The prophetess along with Baal. Uh, yeah, I, it just slipped my mind so fast I couldn't, I couldn't hit it. All right, thank you. Uh, with the altars placed upon that mountain and uh, they were to call upon either Baal or Jehovah and uh, whichever God came down and consumed the altar was to be worshipped, considered God, the people agreed to this. This has all happened, and of course, God consumed, Jehovah consumed the altar uh, with fire, and uh, Elijah ordered the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth to be slain, and then Jezebel sends Elijah word and said, uh, your life is not going to be very long as you have done to these prophets, so am I going to do to you. And Elijah lost his nerve and ran. And it's at this point that we begin the scripture, chapter 19, verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more so, if I... Make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. He laid and he, as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. He looked and beheld, there was a cake baked on the coals and a curse of water at his head, and he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. He arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. As he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, uh, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. With the true reading there. 
want to deal this morning with the subject of dealing with discouragement. Last Sunday night, I gave you a list that I want to repeat this morning for the benefit of those who were not here last Sunday night, of a poll that was taken by the American Association of Pastoral Counselors. It was published in 1984 in the Reader's Digest. It was entitled, The Questions That People Ask Their Pastors Most. I want to give you the first seven of that list. The first question that we dealt with last night, and I preached on it, was why do some prayers go unanswered? Question number two, that I want to deal with this morning, is what can I do when I'm so discouraged I feel like giving up? Three, how can I best pass on my religion to my children? That's the subject for tonight. Four, how can I recharge my spiritual batteries? Five, how can I believe in a living, merciful God when I see what goes on in the world? Six, my teenagers say there is no point in planning for the future in a world diminished by nuclear war. How can I convince them they are wrong? And question number seven is why did he or she have to die? Those are the questions asked most frequently that were reported in that poll. The question number two this morning is, how do we deal with encouragement? What can I do when I'm so discouraged that I feel like giving up? I thought of a little joke that I heard one time of a fellow who bought a used car that didn't pan out too well, and he came back to the car dealership and said to the salesman, will you please give me that sales pitch again? I'm getting discouraged. I suspect that all of us have had that experience of going through periods of time of utter discouragement. It happens in our work. On paper, I have resigned several times through the years because of discouragement, I never did hand them in. There are times of discouragement in my life as a pastor to the point of thinking about resigning, and frankly, I have thought that on a number of occasions in the past three years here, and it is strong on my mind yet today. There are people who are so discouraged with their work or in the church that they think it is time to quit. We face the same thing as a Christian person, that we wonder if it is not time that we give up all of the stuff that people call religion, they call Christianity. Is it really worth it? I try to be good and to be moral and to live a good life, we say, and where does it get me? Nowhere in particular of any consequence. Well, Elijah was having these same experiences as he had finished dealing with the prophets of Baal and had run from Jezebel, and he now was ready to give up. As a matter of fact, he was contemplating suicide. He had asked God to take his life. I've never 
come to a point in my life that I've contemplated suicide, but I would suspect that in this congregation there's at least one person who has mulled it over. And I, uh, in a group of this size, we would find that person having that kind of, of experience. That maybe there is no way out except to end it all. And I've dealt over the years with a number of people who have contemplated suicide, and one person who did, in fact, kill himself. After a period of talking with him, there was no way that I succeeded in getting through, and he sat down at the back door of his mother-in-law's house and put a 38 to his head and ended it all. Just after he had gone through baptism, become a member of the church, he still had problems that were insurmountable and could not see that there was any way out. He was discouraged to the limit. I wonder how many of us in this congregation this morning, if we would be honest with the rest of us, would, would say, I am this morning very discouraged. I suspect that a number of us, and perhaps more than half of this congregation, would be that way. Why is it? What causes it? All the research that I've done on the subject of discouragement in preparation for this message, which I've done over a period of uh, several weeks, probably even going back months, the thing that I have come to the conclusion of, the reason we get discouraged is that we think more about ourselves than we do about others. And when we become more important than other people, our family, those with whom we work, our church family, then we are in a position when things don't go the way we want them to go, that we begin to turn our thoughts inward and begin to think about number one, and not too much concern enters our mind about other people. I think there are some reasons that we reach this point of discouragement, and one of them is physical exhaustion. I don't think there's any doubt medically or spiritually that when a person is exhausted, he is very vulnerable to being depressed, discouraged, and will find himself very, very low. Elijah found himself in this position. He had run for 40 miles, and then he had spent another day's journey by himself. He fell exhausted under a juniper tree and slept for a long period of time. He was very discouraged because of his physical exhaustion. If you work yourself to jobs or, or long hours of time, you're going to discover somewhere in your life you're going to reach a point when you can't physically take it anymore. You have reached the, the end of endurance, and at that point, even little things that might not otherwise disturb you will cause you to be absolutely discouraged. Have you experienced it? Secondly, 
There are situations that have nothing to do perhaps with labor and uh, physical exhaustion, but mental exhaustion, or reaching the end of our nerves when stress has pulled us so tight that we're just about ready to snap. And it wouldn't take much to cause that tight line to really pull in two and snap. Nothing's going right. The kids are fussing. Didn't get the raise. We're on strike. Things aren't going right between husbands and wives. And kids are fussing. And the bills aren't paid. And everything is really putting the pressure on us and we begin to feel the effect, and our nerves are just about shot. That will bring us to a point of being thoroughly discouraged. Thirdly, when we feel like that we have failed, we will be discouraged. During the recessions that the stock market went through, there were people who were so discouraged because of the loss of their money that uh, some of them even committed suicide, but they were buried in. The loss of a job that uh, causes one to think I'm a failure, I could not keep the job. I got fired as a result of maybe my own incompetence. We think those things. Every public speaker goes through this. I'll never forget my first experience at being discouraged in public speaking. I was in high school and was on a team of people that were to go to Parkersburg to a radio station and put on a live radio program. And we had practiced for weeks and weeks and weeks and I had my part. But I was scared thoroughly to death. I'd never seen a microphone in my life so I got into that studio and they stuck one in front of me. And when it came time for me to do that, my voice just squeaked like a girl's. And the teacher looked at me, never said a word. After this was over, she said to one of the fellows that had done it perfectly, you did a marvelous job, and she just looked at me. Had I had a hole, I would have gone through I remember a sermon I preached one time that lasted five minutes. The lady who played the piano was still arranging her music and had just finished arranging it for the close of the service and sat down on the pew over on the pianos on the right just like this and sat down and I announced the closing in. And her mouth dropped open and she looked up at me. And I was so discouraged because I had failed that day in the delivery of a sermon, and I knew I had failed, and one of the deacons who stood six foot seven, weighed 300 and some pounds, at the end of the service, waited until he was the last man out, and he put his arm around his shoulder and said, come on, you're going home with me for dinner. And he said, we're going to walk. His wife drove his car home, and we walked. And he bragged on that sermon, you wouldn't believe how he bragged on that sermon. He lied to me, I knew he lied to me, but it did good because he saw my discouragement and decided that he would bring me out of it. 
we got discouraged because of apparent failures. We get discouraged because of loneliness. Sometimes we think we have no friends. Nobody really cares. We want to stand up and say what we believe is right on our hearts and nobody stands with us. We speak up, and it seems as though nobody is interested in what we have to say. We feel alone, utterly. Nobody can experience loneliness perhaps more than a widow or a widower who has lost a mate. In that period of time after the funeral, there sinks in a period of loneliness to the point that that individual becomes very discouraged with everything in general. Things that would not bother him or her now do because they have reached that point in their life where they're very low. And loneliness has brought discouragement. Then there was the fear of the future. Not sure about tomorrow, the insecurity of what the doctor is going to say when we go to the doctor. If we have surgery as to whether or not we will actually survive it. And although we can sing the song, I don't worry about tomorrow, I just live from day to day. For I know who holds tomorrow, I know who holds my hand. We can sing that from our heart and believe it. But it's awfully hard to live by it at times because we're too discouraged to do otherwise. What's the cure? Well, first of all, I think we need to understand the cause that I have stated, and let me restate that I believe that the primary cause of all this discouragement is in those times when we have looked inward instead of looking upward. Which points out to the cure. The way to overcome these times of discouragement is not to think of self, but to think of God. To look up to Jesus Christ. And the hymn that says, Turn your eyes toward Jesus and look full in His wonderful face, and the cares of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of glory and grace. That's the way. We don't see much in the scripture about the discouragement of our Lord. But when I see him in the Garden of Gethsemane, on that night before his arrest and trial, as he lay on his knees, sweat great drops of blood, and he prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I believe that he had, was looking back over his years, three years of ministry, and he had seen the blasphemy against the Father. He had seen the church desecrated. He had been laughed at and spat upon and mocked and whipped. He had seen his disciples abused, and he surely, in his humanity, had come to a point where he was very low. And what did he do but look up? And when he looked up, he saw God looking down. And it was possible for him to get up off of the ground from that prayer and look his adversary in the face 
the soldiers who came to arrest him, and he held out his arms and let them put the shackles around his wrist to lead him away because he had looked up and he was now prepared to face the future. This, I believe, is one thing that we must do if we're going to overcome discouragement is to get a vision of God looking down. Secondly, we need to get to work in his service. Oftentimes, one of the things that happens when a person gets discouraged is his thought of quitting. Many people quit the church when they become discouraged. But this is the time that we ought to thrust our very lives into the mission for which we have been called and put ourselves at, at his beck and call. Be like Gideon and listen to what he has to say and step forth and do it. If we're lonely, remember there are other people to whom we want to minister that are more lonely. If we're sick, remember there are people that are worse off than we who need our encouragement and our prayers and our support. Remember if we are afraid, there are people who are more afraid. And remember if we're discouraged, there's somebody else as well that needs to be encouraged. And perhaps we can bring our discouragement out of ourselves by being a support and encouragement to others. Elijah found out that there was hope, that he was not alone. There were 7,000 people who had not bowed the knee to Baal and that God loved him, and God loved all the people of Israel, and God had a purpose for Israel. Elijah had to learn that the thing he must do is quit worrying about himself and worry about his mission. This is the task that we face as pastor and people in any church, in any congregation, whatever. It's the concern of what is our mission, what is our goal, what is our purpose, and put our efforts into overcoming our obstacles and allowing God to restore our soul as he did Elijah and then step out of new and afresh into service. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.